Okay, you just clapped. Now we're going to really, really clap, and we're going to welcome Guy to come and speak to us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, are we on? Just make sure I'm on. Everyone hear me? Yep, that's great. Thank you so much, band. That uh, Gabriel has an amazing voice. What a range. How can you sing that low? Just brilliant. That's absolutely superb. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Great work prophetic in terms of encouragement, in terms of our devotion, that every other God has to fall before our King. And uh, tonight I'm sort of, I know it's hard work after two days, and I'm, I'm going to try my best to keep you involved. But it, there's a heaviness on me in terms of, I believe this is a significant moment for us as a movement, for us as leaders. And I've called tonight Standing on Holy Ground because I believe uh, the ground on which we're standing is, is meant to be holy in terms of our encountering God and our response to his invitation. I've already said it, but 40 years ago I got married, and uh, on the day I got married, I stood at the front of a church and looked back and waited. She was three minutes late. You'd expect that. And uh, politely late, they say. And I looked back and apparently my jaw hit the floor, my eyes lit up, and my bride was coming down the aisle. It was wonderful. And the vows were exchanged. There was an elder in front, and he, he said, all the vows, you know, for a ritual, for kicking from in health, all that sort of stuff. I wasn't really listening. I was like, yeah, 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 get on with it. To love and to cherish. That's the only bit I heard, and I was thinking of a honeymoon. Love and cherish. Keep, keep going. That's where our minds go. Let's get through this food as quickly as possible. There's a honeymoon. And, uh, and actually, those moments, he joined our hands together and said over us as we shared rings, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. And we were married. And... Uh, We've had 40 years of marriage. And the better or worse in sickness and in health has been proven by my wife because I have often been ill. I've often been in hospital. And in those moments, I've seen true devotion. And... What I want to encourage us tonight is on that day I exchanged my vows, I stood on holy ground without even recognizing it. I was standing not just before Heather and, and, and an elder, I was standing before Almighty God who was backing that moment and backing those vows, saying, you're not going to be able to keep these, but I, I, I can keep you. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to see you through whether you end up in an A&E department or whether it all goes rosy. And from those vows have come life. We have four children. We have three grandchildren. And we are so blessed because of that act before Almighty God, that commitment before Almighty God, there has been life. 
And when we think about standing on holy ground, most of us will immediately go to the story of Moses, wouldn't we? That's where our mind naturally goes. And so I just want you to imagine Moses this evening in the middle of that arid place, a murderer on the run, uh, sitting perhaps under a tree because it's hot, uh, reading Mark Landry Smith's book on naming sheep because he's a shepherd. The sheep that I've pulled out of the pond, I think I'll call him Bob. <laughs> or the sheep with a star-shaped nose, Ringo. Anyway, he's there with his sheep. I just so enjoyed last night, you can tell. He's there with the sheep, and across the way is a, is a bush which is on fire, which was probably a very common sight, and you watched it just burn to cinders, but this one wasn't burning to cinders, and so he makes his way inquiring, and, and as he gets close, the, God calls to him out of the burning bush and calls him by name and tells him to take off his shoes because he's actually, what he thought he was standing on a desert, on a normal place, he was standing on an encounter place. He was standing on holy ground. It was Chris who reminded us this morning, Chris Kambangi talked about the step, the first step the priests took into the, Jordan, into the Jordan to cross over into the promised land. It began with a step. 1 Samuel 16, a shepherd boy out with his sheep and he's called to come before Samuel, and he's just making an ordinary day, and suddenly he's before the guy who rises and anoints him and calls him to become king. Out of that moment, out of these moments, come the conquest of, the, of, the, of Canaan. Out of these moments comes a king who prefigures Jesus and, and rules a mighty empire. Out of these encounters come an anointing that changes people's lives and life, the life of God, flows. And there is a story I want to turn to this, this evening in terms of what I believe God wants to remind us in commission this whole mission is all about. Everything that we're going to be reaching for in the future, I believe God wants to root us into this story found in John chapter 12. And I'm going to just read it and then just make some comments. John chapter 12 and verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had risen from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And Martha served, whilst Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint, a pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. 
You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Sucks to be raised from the dead. (laughs) For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. I want to look at this story under a typical preacher's four C's. Just, Just a way of putting a coat hanger for all of us to understand what... I believe God wants to say to us out of this passage. And firstly, just the context of this story. Bethany was a prosperous uh, village two miles from Jerusalem. They were meeting uh, secretly, quietly. Shutters were down. Secret police were out. They, They knew they were looking for Jesus. And these were some of Jesus's closest friends who wanted to lay on a wonderful splash You've got Martha, who's probably, you know, a Michelin star, laying out some olives, some bread, some tilapia fish to start with, some roast lamb. It was, it was a big spread. They wanted to honor Jesus. They wanted to thank him and just be with him. And Lazarus was lying there. Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. And I can imagine people around the conversation, hey, what was it like to die? You know, what, what did it feel like? Was there a light? You know, what was it like to be resurrected? I mean, I can imagine all the conversation. It's, it's sparky. It's fun. And then Mary comes in, carrying a jar of expensive perfume. That's the context that we're looking at tonight. And the context for us as a movement of churches tonight is that we've had some incredible time. We, we, this, this, this has been like a, a, an enormous feast. I mean, Bernie talked about laying out cheeses. I mean, I think we've had meats and wine, and I think it's been an incredible feast. I just want to honor everyone who's taken part. I've just so enjoyed it myself. And we've sort of, I guess we're all feeling a little bit full. And as I look at the, the, the way in which God's blessed, the faltering steps of, of, of many of the leaders in this room, and I thank God for them, people who've, who've fought the long haul, John, Mick, Malcolm. We've, we've seen God's amazing grace on this movement of churches. We started out believing God that we would perhaps grow as we started in 2012. Uh, actually, we had about 70 churches when we started, and actually that number went down at first. <laughs> so it was great fun when you go, we're going to take the mountains and we're going to take the valleys and the nations of the world and your numbers go down. But Steve reminded us wonderfully this morning that that doesn't necessarily mean we're not being successful or fruitful. Well, we trusted God and in 2015 we came up with a vision statement, thousands of lives, hundreds of churches, tens of nations, and a, and, a, and a way in which a strategy that in order to do this mission, it needed every one of us to be uh, sent, every one of us needed to be released, and every one of us needed equipping. And praise God for all the training and all the stuff that flowed out of that. And we needed to be unified. I want us to just say that. Unification, pulling together, being one family together was vital for this mission to take part. And together we have seen some amazing things. This, this faltering little steps of 70 now is over 300 churches worldwide in 10 nations. 
We've seen over a thousand people in 10 years become Christians, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and get baptised. It's been an amazing, amazing, we've raised millions of pounds and we've given hundreds of thousands to the most needy people in the world today. We've done that together. I haven't done that. You've done that. We've done it together. We're in this together. And God has laid out this incredible feast for us. And so the context we're in tonight is, what, what, what if, if God's done all that in our last 10 years, what about the next 10 years? What are we going for? Well, Steve was right this morning. We, we do want numbers. Numbers do matter to God. I believe every soul, every single person who becomes a Christian matters to God. But we want to see thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people saved. If you haven't heard it, Vinu Paul, who is the other apostolic leader in, in this family of churches, is saying, we're going for a thousand churches in India. That's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. And here's the thing, I believe he will, he will do it because he's not relying on himself. He's trusting Jesus. He's heard from God. And we in, in the UK, we're saying, actually, we, sh- we believe in God. We're, we're going to grow. We're going to grow 100 churches, maybe 200 churches in the UK in the next 5, 10 years. We can believe God for that. We can believe God for thousands of people who are going to be saved into our churches. We can believe God we're going to plant more and adopt more and see many more sites. We can believe that. We believe God is with us. We believe that what is out there, the, the, the harvest fields are ripening for a great harvest for us to take. And we believe too, we want to go to the nations in the next years ahead. I believe God will call some in this room, Heather and I, to get back onto planes and to serve other nations, to raise up indigenous apostolic leaders who are going to take the gospel in their nation, much the same way Binu has done. For that to happen, it needs laborers in the harvest field. For that to happen, it needs you and I to volunteer and to step into more of God's presence and more of God's purposes. So that's the context we're speaking into tonight. But the second C is character. And uh, Mary of Bethany is an incredible picture of what it means to be a leader, a man or a woman of, of, of great character. She is both humble and bold. She is spiritual and she is sacrificial. She's prophetic and she's prayerful. She's dutiful and she's devoted. When, when we find her name mentioned in two other places in Scripture, we find her firstly sitting at Jesus' feet whilst her sister's out in the kitchen banging the pans and making a right old song and dance, trying to just make the point, Mary, you should be out in the kitchen. And Jesus reminds Martha that Mary has chosen a devotion above all other duties. And in John 11, when her brother has died, it's, it's her who, who goes after Martha's met Jesus and takes Jesus to the tomb. Having heard Jesus say, I'm the resurrection and the life, and hearing Jesus saying, roll the stone away, and Jesus calling Lazarus out of the tomb, Mary was there. She was an eyewitness She's a wonderful example of godly character. What we must see in all of us, across this family of churches, otherwise we will fail in our mission. This is the most important C tonight. 
True greatness in leadership is not about headlines, not about numbers, not about followers, not about the brightest, the best, not the ones who are clever. I praise God for everybody who's on our training and encourage all of you to do training up to masters. I think it's wonderful that people can reach and use their abilities for God, but our confidence is in that. Our confidence and our boasting is not in our size of churches, how many churches commission plants, how many people we release, if you're called a name, if you become an apostle. True greatness is servanthood. It is the hidden, it is the lowest seat, it is the turning the other cheek, it is dying so that others can live. And Mary, in every way, prefigures Jesus, who himself, just another chapter on, is going to wash his own disciples' feet and go on his way to the cross. I want to remind you what we are when no one's looking is who we are. You might think it's lovely, and it is a huge privilege to stand on this platform and talk to you. I mean, it is just a huge privilege. But what God's most interested in is who I am off this platform, not what I do and say on the platform. Because to fail in character is to fail in our mission together. And so I hope you're praying for us as leaders. I hope you pray and intercede for us that we remain faithful. Steve did so brilliantly this morning. It's faithfulness that matters to God. 1 Peter 5 verse 3 says, not lording it over those Leaders, this is an instruction to all of us, pastors, elders, leaders, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And it says this, eager to serve. Do you know the most remarkable thing about the last two weeks? The Queen. To quote her, for me, the life of Jesus Christ is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. said that in one of her Queen's speeches. And the Archbishop on the day said, we can all share the Queen's hope, which in life and death inspired her servant leadership. We're called to serve. What's remarkable about the Queen? She, she never built a great building. She never wrote a fantastic bestseller. She never did a hip-hop dance on the balcony. She didn't, she didn't do much, really, did she? <laughs> but I'll tell you what she did. Every day of her life, she served. Every day of her life, she went to people who were making a difference in their little community that no one else saw, and she shook their hand and said, well done. She served. And the whole world, half the world, tuned in for her funeral. Why? Because she followed Jesus Christ and she served her people. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. The third, third C, which we're all aware of in this, in this narrative, is cost. Mary is an example of a life that's focused upon the cross. She has seen in the, in the spirit where Jesus is heading. She understands that Jesus, this incredible friend, 
this beautiful man, this holy man, this man who has turned water into wine, this man who has healed the sick, this man who has said the most amazing teacher, this person who has raised her brother from death into life. This man is making his way towards Jerusalem and she can see in the spirit. He's making his way towards the cross. He is going to die in these next days. My friend, this beautiful one, the holy one, the the son of God is about to die. And she is moved with all emotions at this moment and wants to prepare and, 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 and worship Jesus in utter devotion. He was about to die. He was about to be crucified. He was about to lay down his life. And she wanted to to say, I I, I want to identify with you, Jesus. I want to identify my devotion to you, Jesus, that you would do this for me. To defeat sin, to break Satan's power, to break the power of death. She's seen something of the gospel. She's seen something that is so beautiful, so marvelous. That what she does is amazing. She, she takes this jar of perfume, nard, in today's terms, say 30,000 quid. I mean, just to give us a sort of a sense of what that cost is to her. And she does just the most amazing thing. She kneels down. And she takes the feet of Christ that are going to have nails driven through them just a few days later. And with her long hair and with this ointment, she starts to clean and massage and cry and worship the king. And this is expensive. She's not, she's not measuring out, oh, this is a lot of money. I'm just going to give a little thimble for. That should be enough. No, she's pouring this out in utter adoration. She's not mindful of the cost. It doesn't matter what it costs. She is all in for Christ. She wants him to know her love is 100%. She is devoted. She is a worshiper. She is thankful. She wants to know the power of Christ and his resurrection. She wants to prepare his body for that awful event. And the incredible thing that theologians tell us is this perfume, nard, I thought about bringing some and and putting it around the auditorium until I found that a tiny bit's 50 quid. (laughs) Too tight for that. (laughs) This stuff, I bought a a, a tiny little spray-on sort of oil of it. And boy, this stuff stinks. It really hangs around. (laughs) It does. And it would have done Jesus not only smelt in that room, he, when he was taken before his accusers, they would notice this aroma. It was everywhere. As he hung on a cross, as his head slumped, as he breathed a gasp of air, he would have smelt from those feet the fragrance of a life that is devoted, that has paid a price. Because she loved Jesus. She was all in. We know that when Jesus was talking to followers and people say, hey, well, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, in Luke chapter 9. And I, I, I'm, I'm a disciple and Jesus said foxes and he said, go bury their own dead. He, he, he separated out. He said, there's a cost to following me. 
And we can often think of Christianity that, oh, I paid a price to believe. I paid a price. I made a sacrifice. And, and now I, I've got my life together. But our life is meant to be broken again and again and again in our love and our devotion to Jesus. Heather and I went to a, a meeting a bit like this in 1991. And uh, for context, I had my own business. We'd built our own house. I had a brand new car on the drive. I had a good job. And this person called Krianzak on the platform said, I'm going to plant a thousand churches for Jesus in Thailand, which was very Buddhist and no chance, not in 10 years. He did it. By God's grace, he did it. But he said, and we'll never forget it, because I know many New Frontiers leaders who were there who responded as we did. He said, in order for the gospel to break forth in your nation, there are some of you who need tonight to give it all up. There's things that are holding you back from being obedient to the Great Commission. And some of you in this room need to give it all up in order to give yourself to training, to become leaders, to, to go on this mission, to go overseas. And if you are feeling that Holy Spirit prompting, he said, would you come down to the front of this auditorium? We went down. There's probably a hundred others, I, I, I would guess. And we knelt. It was holy ground. It was holy ground. We sat on Brighton Seafront crying because I said, I'm going to have to close my business. The next day, an architect phoned me. He said, you can earn 30000 in the next three months if you come and do this job for me in London. I said, I can't. He said, why not? I said, because I've made a decision to follow Jesus and give it all up. I, I think God wants me to be a missionary. I thought I was going to go on the mission field. He said, what, are you, where are you going? I said, well, there's nothing at the moment, nothing. I'm just... He said, well, you're mad. My parents, my mum said, we're going to disinherit you. And we've been already disinherited once by Heather's parents, Heather's father. It was a sacrifice. But I wanted Jesus. And out of that simple, very simple, really, steps of faith, you had to sell the house, car, everything went. But God has been faithful to me. And I look across this auditorium, I look across the movement, and I see so many of you, dear friends, They've been saved, they've become leaders, they've gone to other nations. I find it remarkable so much life can flow from one simple act of obedience. And what's true of us has been true many times throughout our life. That God brings us to a moment like this tonight where we say, Jesus, it's been really tough. Jesus, this is my little alabaster jar, this is where my confidence has been and, and you asked me to break it that I might follow you. And so we come to a commission. By the way, just for a lighter moment, there is always a Judas in the house. <laughs> I'm aware of that. There can be a Judas in your ear because we've been reminded by Andrew Shaw powerfully and I think we need to carry this forward as a movement that we are in a battle and we need to be aware that there are spiritual principalities and powers and I don't agree with Chris that they hang up in the rafters. I think they stand on the sound desk. <laughs> I think that's where they sit in the meetings. They always seem to... I'm, I'm waiting for this to go off now. I, I, I always think... I always think just as someone gets to a, like Russell, a powerful moment, oh, it goes. It's like, what's, what's that all about? 
But there's always a Judas. There's always someone that Satan has entered that will say, what a waste, what a waste. They're not worried really about what you're spending the money on. They, they're just a distraction. They're just a principality and power that wants to stop the advance of the kingdom. And even tonight as I'm preaching, I've been praying and praying and praying that you would hear the voice of your Father in heaven. You would hear the loving invitation of Jesus to come and stand on holy ground and make a step tonight to take another step into this adventure with Jesus. Whatever that means. And so the commission aspect, let me finish with this commission, because I really do want us to, to go into ministry and pray for one another and, and allow the spirit to move without having to rush quickly out of here. The commission, she was doing something so wonderful, so intimate. Her hair was down, she was washing, she was adoring, she was worshipping, the fragrance, the smell was filling the house, it was, it was emotional, it was extravagant, it was self-giving love, it was holy ground moment for her and her following Jesus Christ and it was preparing him for his death as well as for his ascension and for his resurrection as ascension. Like the anointing oil that comes in the Old Testament on prophets and kings. She anointed Jesus with this precious oil and prepared him for what we tonight look to as our great, great salvation. He said, whenever we chat about the gospel, we'll talk about this story. All down for the generation, we'll remember this story. Because this was all about the cross. This was all about Christ. This is all about it, what it means to be a follower of Christ, that we are living in intimacy, in devotion to him. And this is the type of leader we need for the future, for all of us to be. Leaders who count the cost. Leaders who don't rely on their cleverness or their wisdom or their eloquence, but rest and live for standing on holy ground moments where the anointing from heaven comes upon us and we can do something amazing for God. I love the bit. Let me just finish with this scripture. It says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not cr cr crushed. And he talks about the fragrance. We spread about the fragrance of life. To some with the smell of death and to others with the smell of life. And I, I feel that there's a moment here tonight that I want to call us to as a, as a movement of allowing God to break in our worship, things that have been useful, God's blessed maybe, but actually tonight he's saying, I want you to break that before me in order to be more, take, more, take another step. I'm just asking for a step tonight. I'm not asking you to cross the sea. I'm asking you to take a step. Let me give you some examples. It may be that it's a financial step. Maybe that you have got a little pot. It may be a positional step that you're leading something and you've been leading it for years and God said, hey, why don't you move on and go and do something else? Go and lead another church. Go and plant another church. 
It may be to go to another nation. And you may think, well, I'm not going to be safe in that other nation. It may be our Sunday meetings that as we're listening to these wonderful messages and this thing, that actually we realize we're meant to be reformed and charismatic, but we're probably more reformed than we are charismatic because actually we try and keep a lid on it. We don't mind having a knees up at these things, but we don't really want to have a knees up when we get home, do we? It may be um, taking authority in the spiritual realm that God wants you to take a step in. But actually, you have got authority in the name of Jesus. And you want us to take a step in that direction. I believe particularly for us as a movement, and let's have the band please come back up again. I believe that this movement is going to achieve what God has put on the heart of its leaders. We need leaders to say yes, to take a step tonight. Yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes to leading in the power of the Holy Spirit, not leading in our own wisdom, leading in the power of the Spirit so that there, is, there are shrieks as we lead in Sunday meetings. There are, there are demonic manifestations. There are power encounters. There are people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. There are spiritual gifts bursting out all over the meeting. We, we're, we're, we're so devoted. The, the worship is so devoted that people are on their knees because such is the presence of God. Like Russell's word about Dagon, we're, we're, we're so wanting the presence that we're, we're willing to let everything fall before the King of Kings. I believe in, we need leaders that are going to step into spiritual ministry. Maybe you're not uh, uh, in any form of leadership. Maybe there's a desire in you that, uh, to be a, a leader of a ministry, to, to be an elder, to be a lead elder, to be a church planter. I believe God's speaking to people tonight. Take a step. Break the jar. Everything that is precious to you, just pour it out before Jesus. Pour your life out before Jesus. Pour all your securities out before Jesus and say, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. I believe we need to step into Ephesians 4 ministries. I believe we need to multiply, multiply, multiply Ephesians 4 ministries for us to do this mission. I believe we need to go to new nations. I believe the 1040 windows on the heart of God and I believe God would say there are people in this room that will go. People who go to Spain, people who go to Portugal, people who go to India, but also people who will go to new nations. Take a step. Pour out your life before God tonight. I believe this is a holy moment. I believe that we should read together a scripture. And then I, I believe you should, not in any extravagant way, but... Make this a ho your holy moment of response to God by taking off your shoes and just saying to Jesus, you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of every breath I breathe, every penny I earn, every bit of gift you've given me. I want to lay it back to you. I want to take a step. I want to just tell you, Jesus, again tonight, I love you. And I'm all in for this mission. So I'm going to get us to stand. Please stand. I hope the scripture will come up. Habakkuk 3, uh, verse 2. And I'd like us, I'd like us like a wedding vow. I started with my wedding vows. I'd like you to think of this as a wedding vow, that you're saying this. 
to our wonderful, glorious, amazing Jesus, who's revealed the Father. And I'd like you to make this a prayer of commitment and covenant. And then I'd like you, after you've said this, take off your shoes and just in, inwardly respond to what God's been saying tonight. Let's say it tonight. Lord, I have heard of your faith. I stand in awe of your deeds. Oh Lord, renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now just undo your shoes. I believe God is going to speak to us prophetically, particularly as we just respond in this worship song. I want to pray, Lord Jesus. I want to pray right now for every single one of us. This is a holy ground moment. We cannot, cannot do this mission. We cannot advance one step unless God is with us. And we want to take off our shoes on this holy ground moment and say, Jesus, you are worthy of it all. There will be that number on that day from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And Lord, all the difficulties that members in this room today are facing, all the hardships that we're pressing through on, Lord, on that day, they will seem light and momentary light and momentary because of the weight of glory that will be revealed. And we want to say in our hearts tonight, Jesus, we're responding to You and You are worthy of it all. You deserve the highest praise. You deserve our heart's devotion. You died so that we might live and we want to worship You. Father, Son and Holy Spirit, come in power tonight. Meet with Your children, I pray. Everybody now, just respond in your own way. Respond and say to God, out loud, what is it that you are stepping into tonight? What little step will you take for Jesus? What little act of renewed worship will you break before Him? Because I believe the fragrance of God will rest on you and it will bring life wherever you go. It will bring life. So come Holy Spirit. Respond now, just respond and then after a few seconds, a, few, a minute, the worship band are going to go into this song and then we'll see if there are other prophetic encouragements that come.